This message is brought to you by Alliance Bible Church located in Mequon, Wisconsin. Our vision is to captivate generations with the satisfying gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about Alliance Bible Church or other resources, please check out our website, myabc.church. Dr. Green is a clinical psychologist. Uh, He is, in fact, the clinical director of uh, New Life Resources here in Milwaukee. Also teaches at Trinity. Uh, He's married for a long time, 39 years. 39 years, two kids, a couple grandkids, and that all-important dog. (laughs) So uh, I want you to give him a warm welcome we have some sheets that'll be passed out to you. If, if you need one and haven't received one yet, just raise your hand and Michael will give you one. Uh, that'll kind of take us through the day, uh, through the uh, session, I'm sorry. So with uh, no delay, Dr. Green. Thank you. Ah, good morning. Thank you. <laughs> We are awake. Intimacy with God. Uh, Many would think that's an oxymoron. The whole idea of being intimate with someone so different than me or intimate with someone that I don't tangibly see. Is that possible? Um, I'm going to suggest that the fact that he is different from us is very necessary for the intimacy that we will have with him. But I, in my clinical work, I work with a lot of leaders, a lot of pastors, a lot of men in a lot of different roles, and a very common experience I have in my office is the, the man sitting across from me sharing something along the lines of, I know God loves everyone, He doesn't love me. Or, I know God loves me, but it's just so abstract. It doesn't seem real. Or it doesn't really make any difference. I asked one man to to envision where is God in his life and described an exercise to help him picture this. And he described himself on a mountaintop, in an inn, on the balcony, looking out over this huge valley. And on the other side of the valley, he could see God sitting. And he felt good that he could see God sitting there. What distance, what detachment he experienced. He was struggling with a number of addictions. He was struggling with trying to figure out how to have peace inside. He could not find it. This is a common experience for us. And we'll see it's it's not new to our generation. We talk about intimacy. Now, in our culture, a lot of times that's code word for sex. That's not how I'm using it today. We know that there's a lot of sexual behaviors that occur that are not at all intimate. That's just a disguise. Intimacy is something much, much more. I'm just curious from you, when you hear the word intimate, or intimacy, or intimate relationship, 
What are some thoughts that come to your mind? Clarity. Clarity. Openness. 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 Sacredness. Sacredness. Pretty special. Scary. Scary. That would probably be pretty common, yes. Intimacy has a fear component. Shameless promotion for this afternoon's talk. <laughs> what else is involved in intimacy? Vulnerability. Commitment. Openness. We've got a number of factors here, none of which are really very easy. Is intimate always comfortable? No. Is intimate always easy and smooth? Actually, intimacy quite often is awkward and even scary. As we consider intimacy, I'd like you to consider some of the features that we know are involved in an intimate relationship or experiencing intimacy. And one of the um, assumptions that I'm operating on, I believe is quite accurate, is that intimacy with God and intimacy with humans operates on the same principles in the same way because we are having a relationship with another being. Being made in God's image, we have features that our Creator has. Being made in God's image, we relate and seek what He does. Now, the consequences of the fall have distorted that, but it's very helpful for us to recognize when I think about intimacy with God, I could think about, well, how do I have intimacy with a, another person? And how would that apply to intimacy with God? When we consider the factors of intimacy, essential to an intimate relationship is knowing and being known. And I like to summarize it just that simply. Knowing and being known. Knowing, what is it like to be you? What is it like in your experience? Learning about, having my detective cap on, and figuring out how this other being, this other person, experiences this moment. I know how I'm experiencing this moment, but I would only know how you're experiencing it if you shared it with me knowing what it's like to be you. Now, one of the ways that we know what it's like to be another person is we observe them. But as I look at you, and most of you are you know, making eye contact with me or looking up this general direction, but I don't know inside you might be in Bermuda. I don't know what's going on inside of you until that is revealed. So it's not just my observation and my fantasy, they're looking essentially in this direction, therefore they're thoroughly engaged. That might be my fantasy, but I wouldn't know if it's accurate until the other shares with me what their experience is. So I have both my observations, which are part of how I know another person, but I also take in what they reveal to me. 
Now, when I'm speaking to my wife or my children or my friends and colleagues, they speak to me very clearly in the English language, typically. I'm pretty good at English. Understand generally. I take in their words, but even their words don't fully communicate what it's like to be them. Last night, I had a little challenge and trying to understand something my wife was telling me. I couldn't quite figure out what was going on. And what, what the content that she was saying is a light was stuck. But I thought she was talking about in the car, so I'm immediately thinking, oh, not one more thing to fix. Uh, you know, what light's on in the car? And she was talking about a traffic light that was out on her way into her office. Well, that was not a very intimate moment. It was rather conflictual for a minute. I couldn't make sense of her content because her emotion was it was distressing. And I was following her emotional expression of distressing. Later I found out she was distressed that she had to wait for a long time to get through that intersection because it was chaos. I'm thinking, Another car, if I got to figure out what to do with, get that to fix whatever it was in that car. No. The emotion is a significant part of what we respond to. And I need, though, my thinking and feeling, the content and the feelings the others expressing, I need to have them come together to get the message. And when it, I understood her content, oh, that's why that was upsetting to you. I needed to take my idea of what had happened, set that aside. Now I could understand her. I knew her experience. We were closer. Our closeness happened by me knowing what it was like to be her, which means I had to let go of how I was seeing her before. My first assumption I needed to say goodbye to, opening myself, becoming vulnerable, to receive the fullness of her message. That's part of knowing and being known. The other part is being known. That's often harder for us. I can collect data pretty well. Last night's not a very good example of doing it, but eventually I got there. But being known, letting her know what it's like to be Dan letting my colleague, letting my friend, letting my child or grandchild, letting my Lord know what it's like to be Dan, sharing myself, opening myself, not just what I'm thinking, that's only part of the message, but also revealing what I'm feeling. And that's the essential, the fullness of thought and feeling both. I've got a theory about creation. I don't know if it's accurate, it seems like it probably is at least reasonable. We know that when God created Adam and Eve, he created them in a wholeness and a completeness such that um, there was no shame, there was no hiding, there was nothing that they were um, keeping from one another at that point or keeping from God. And I think that while they were connected to each other and connected with God, also their thoughts and feelings were connected. I don't think Adam and Eve were talking about, well, I think this, but I'm really feeling this way. I think they were just experiencing and processing. With the fall, with sin, that which was connected got ripped apart. 
including inside us, where our thoughts and our feelings, instead of them being together as they were designed to be, they're ripped apart. And sometimes it's very hard for us to find one or the other. And so we're sort of like trying to operate with one arm tied behind your back. We're designed in knowing and being known to have the completion of the whole person. And feelings involve our body. Last night when I was confused what my wife was trying to tell me, her body, she was quite animated. If I would have got close, I would have got punched the way she's talking. That's part of knowing the experience of the other. That's part of knowing me to share with the other. Knowing and being known is an element of intimacy. Loving and being loved. See, intimacy is for good. Intimacy is not a selfish, that's using. Intimacy is a love-based phenomena. And I'm defining love here in its most basic terms. Operationally, I would describe love as seeking and doing good for the loved one. Intimacy involves seeking and doing good for the one I'm in relationship with. Now I'm going to be known and I'm going to know the other. I'm going to seek to do good for them, but sometimes this is the harder part. I'm going to open myself, the vulnerability, to receive the good the intimate partner offers me. For many of us men, it's harder to receive the good than to offer it to another. We often want a problem solve or we want to somehow fix. But God asks us to receive what he has given. He is a gift giver. Why does God love me? You know, I, that's what he does. That's his issue. Why does God love you? It's because it's what he does. It's his issue. You can receive it or not. Either way, you are loved. In an intimate relationship, we receive the gift given without judgment. We offer without restriction in an intimate relationship. So we're talking here that intimacy involves a sense of connecting. And when we connect, we have a sense of belonging, attachment. I am comforted when I am with the one I'm connected to. When there is distress between us, I have internal distress as well. When I experience being connected, there's a sense of being at home, of belonging. But it requires, as we've been talking about, a high degree of vulnerability, of openness. And there's a downside to being vulnerable. If I take off my guard and I go to hug you, if you want to punch me in the gut, I can't protect myself at that moment. Now, we don't do a lot of punching in the guts once we get out of high school. But emotionally and socially, and some would say they've been punched in the gut spiritually. When I am vulnerable, I take a risk that I might get hurt. 
C.S. Lewis observed, in order to have the love, you have to have the pain. That's the deal. Now, he didn't really like the deal. I don't like pain. But the only way that we can have intimacy is to take the risk that I might get hurt because I have to open, let down my guard, show you what it's like to be me, not knowing what's coming next. Receive what it's like to be you, not really knowing what that's going to be. That is risky. And it's the only way that we can have closeness. Intimacy is going to involve this risk. It's going to involve coming close to know and be known. Why is it so hard? Because I can get hurt. I love the Genesis 2 description of how uh, Adam and Eve were before the fall. It's interesting, though, early in the, earlier in the story, just a couple of verses ahead, God's describing, or the passage is describing God saying to his creation, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. I think that's interesting because Adam wasn't complaining. The designer intended for us to have intimacy with him and intimacy with each other. It's in the design. And then we get this beautiful passage, they were naked and not ashamed. That is what we're designed for. We're designed for this openness, this vulnerability. No secrets, nothing to hide. Sharing the experience, sharing the moment. Well, that's how we're designed. But as you know, the story doesn't go well after that. They lost that. They started to cover over. They started to blame. They started to protect themselves. And so we're in this constant tension. I need closeness. I need the intimacy with my creator and with those he's put in my life as well. But I need safety because it hurts. And I don't know if I can handle the hurt. And there's a constant tension we need to find how do I have safety so I can have the closeness that I'm designed for. I'd like to describe to you, using psalm, a psalm, of this experience of experiencing intimacy. We're using words, we're using ideas right now, but as you listen to this, please consider what the psalmist is experiencing. What is it like to be him? Now, this is a psalm of David. Um, He's in the wilderness. Things are not going well in his life. His former friend and colleague now wants to kill him. That's kind of a downer. Things are hard for him. Listen to how he describes this experience. He's He's threatened all around him on the outside. He writes, I'm just going to read eight verses here. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. 
My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. My, your right hand upholds me. Now what he's describing here is a very in emotionally intense experience. But it's also a sensory rich experience. Have you ever been really, really thirsty? Really thirsty. I remember uh, with my father and my, my brother when I was a young teenager, we did the Grand Canyon hike. And uh, we rationed our water and it was, it was really challenging. I was so, so thirsty. But as we were coming up, we met a guy we overtook who had run out of water and was actually delusional at that point, starting to have hallucinations. He was very confused. He was so thirsty, he was in great danger. I've never been that thirsty. The, when we gave him some of our water, we saw life return to him as we sat with him and then a mule train or whatever they call those things came by and a ranger uh, took him for help. Think about how it feels when you receive water when you're really, really thirsty. Think about it, uh, what it's like when you have just really tasty, rich foods and you savor. Now this is way beyond just our thinking, our ideas. Here the psalmist is expressing his full involvement in this relationship with the other. Sounds like a young guy in love. Intimacy. The intensity of knowing the other and being with them. And having the other know me. Now we see also in Psalm 139. Something very similar. This idea of deeply being known. And I put it here somewhere. Right where I put it. The psalmist writes, I'm just going to just pick out a couple of passages out of this. Oh Lord, you search me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You know my schedule. That's part of intimacy. How do I live my life? You know that about me. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I free from your presence? You are with me. Intimacy is going to require being with. And the Lord is already with us. 
For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it so well. Acknowledging the intimacy of you knowing me in my very design, in my very beginning even. And then it concludes the chapter. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, heart, mind. And see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of the everlasting. You are with me. You know me. I invite you to know me more. The intimacy of vulnerability, taking off our covering, recognizing the presence, being with. So often we try to think our way through these things. And just like we can't think our way through an intimate relationship with another human, we can't just think our way through our relationship, an intimate relationship with our Lord. To be with Him is much more than to think about Him. Many biblical scholars know a lot about theology, but don't know God. I know a lot about Abraham Lincoln. Never met him. I don't know him. And what I know, of course, is somewhat detached because I don't have a personal relationship with him. And that's how many, many experience their Heavenly Father. They know about him. But they don't enter in as the psalmist here was describing of sharing themselves with God, what it's like, how they're experiencing, or recognizing God's presence in their life and how well he already knows them. And they share back to this one who knows and loves and already accepts them. So how do we move from knowing about to knowing and being with? I'd like to suggest a couple of factors to, to take into consideration here. An intimate relationship always has two unique and separate persons. Many times a friendship or a marriage goes poorly because rather than knowing what it's like to be the other person, the individual sort of looks at themselves, this is what I think, this is how I feel, select all, coffee, open up a file, this is the other person, paste. Now I know who they are. And the other person goes, I'm invisible to you. You don't see me. I'm not a mere extension of your imagination. I am unique and separate. God is unique and separate from us. He's not an extension of our fantasy of what we'd like him to be. He is who he is, and he invites us to get to know him as he is. And so, to begin an intimate relationship, I begin with two unique, separate beings. Each has their own experience, their own perspective, and while God has made us in his image, he is different from us as well. He has his own experience and personality. I get to know him. 
Second, in order to have an intimate relationship, I need to have safety. Now, one of the ways my wife and I have safety is 39 and a half years ago, we said we promised to love one another and to not quit. And that offers some safety to get to know each other, to be imperfect in front of each other, because like this is the only person in my life that's ever said I won't quit. Okay. What does God promise us? What safety does he offer us? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. If you pursue me, you will find me. I listed on your handout at the top just some of the statements that he has given to us to help us recognize there is a safety in venturing in to letting him know me and me know him. Three, in order to have intimate relationship we have to be together I know a couple he works in San Francisco she works somewhere in this area and they uh, they do a lot of texting and then after a while they found out that they were uh, each seeing somebody else even though they'd been married for a number of years that texting wasn't sustaining intimacy and they both had violated their commitment this shocked both of them now intimacy requires being together we can't just send a note back and forth I know some guys who I have my quiet time every day I don't know why I'm not intimate with God you know I take my 7.3 minutes read this little bit that's in my little book and that's supposed to do it. Well, that's sort of like texting to your loved one, and that's all you ever do with them. You know a little bit about them, but you don't know them. And you're not current. How do you be current? You have to be with. How am I with God? How am I in God's presence? Well, many passages, some I've read, some that are on your handout, talk about God is telling us, I am always present with you. One of my prayers now has become, Lord, let me know your presence with me. Help me recognize what's there so that I see it. There are times I'll be sitting right next to someone that I'm close to, but I'm on my phone, I'm doing something on my tablet or my laptop or whatever, and we're not intimate. We're just in proximity. So not only do I need we need to be together, but we need to be attentive to one another. I need to set aside whatever distracts me. And for us today, so much of what distracts us are electronics. Oh, I love my electronics. But I can't be intimate with another and involved in my screen simultaneously. I need to set aside and create a space that we share being together. Not only do we need to be together, but now I need to start taking off some of the covering. I need to reveal myself. I need to share what it's like to be me. What I think and what I'm feeling and what I'm noticing and I'm questioning and I'm longing for. Let the other know what it's like to be me. How do I do that? We're called to pray without ceasing. Here's the image I have of that. 
Sometimes when I'm thinking currently of my earthly father, when we would walk together or work on a project together, we've had some of our best times. And he loves, even though he doesn't do the, the physical work anymore, he loves to like do a house project with me. Um, and I'm, pre <laughs> I'm pretty enough at this. Um, I like his suggestions and his insights. But I like his presence to share the moment with. Think about the disciples in Jesus. They're walking and they're talking and they're being with each other and they're getting to know each other and they're revealing in the context of moment-to-moment -moment life. They didn't set up Friday night date. We'll get together and just sit and look at each other and talk a little bit. No, they're sharing life as they're going through life. Pray without ceasing. How do I reveal myself to the Lord in the moment-to-moment -moment? I don't need to use Old English. I don't need to be on my knees. I don't need to have my eyes closed, particularly if I'm driving. That's not advised. I need to be present. And while I'm present, I'm also sharing, as if we're walking side by side with each other. And not only am I revealing, but I'm receiving. Now, this is sometimes tricky for us because we're physical. But God often doesn't present himself physical. I've not had the burning bush experience. I've only known that to occur once, and I wasn't there. How do I receive from God? We receive sometimes in his presence a sense of I'm not alone, an encouragement. Sometimes we have a word of the Lord where some things are just brought together that we can see this is from God. This is good. It is consistent with all else he has revealed to us. Sometimes we recall scripture that maybe we've read decades ago. And it comes into our awareness at a time when it's really helpful. And we see how he's speaking to us. Sometimes he speaks to us through others in our community. Many ways he reveals himself to us. Sometimes he reveals to us in nature, in ways that grab our attention. We see his awesomeness, his completeness. We need to both reveal what it's like to be me and to receive what he offers. And as he offers, we reflect back because it's a relationship. Now we start to call this, we can call this worship where I react with my thinking and my feeling, myself, I react to what God has shown me of himself. And if I react realistically, I'm amazed, I'm overwhelmed, I'm intrigued, I'm drawn in. We call that worship. So the revealing and the receiving are interactive. Now as I do this, I'm always taking the risk. What if he doesn't like? Well, that's my issue, not his. He says he loves me and he is always going to be with me. Well, if I were God, I wouldn't. Irrelevant. You're not God. Part of what I'm experiencing is I'm 
stretching is I'm growing in my intimacy, letting God be God, letting God be who God is, and not me projecting myself onto God. Now, the marriage relationship is used as a metaphor of Christ in the church, God and his people. And as we mature in marriage, and that is a never-ending journey, but as we mature, we more and more find it's not about you being who I want you to be. That's a horrible disappointment. <laughs> You're not who I would design. I discover who you are and learn how to relate to you. That's the maturity that happens in a well-functioning marriage. And that's the same as in our relationship with God. I learn who he is by being with him. I learn about him through reading. I love to read. That's good. It's not enough. I need to be with him in order to know who he is. This pursuit of intimacy needs to be intentional. Just like it is with my spouse, my children, with some very special friends in my life. And I found an exercise, an activity, I've been using this, I don't know, maybe 25 years now. But I find it really helpful. What I wanted to wrap up with today is just a little exercise that I will use to facilitate me being with God. Imagine an open area. It might be a beach, it might be a meadow, it might be a field, but an area that there's some openness. And in this open area, there's a bench. And the bench is carved of stone. It just comes right out of the earth. It's stone, but it's carved in such a way that it's actually comfortable. And in this open area, on the bench, sitting at one end of the bench, is God. Now, I can be anywhere in this scene that I choose. He is present. He is available. As you're imagining the scene that I'm describing, I would ask you, where are you at this moment? Are you like the gentleman I described to you earlier who's on a mountaintop looking down across a valley, across a river, way off in the distance seeing the bench? seeing God and pleased that he can see that it's there. That gentleman was very far from intimacy at that time. Are you in the clearing? I'd ask you to move towards the bench. You might walk around it. You might sit on it. As you sit on the bench, do you lean towards do you lean away? Do you look over? Do you look down? Do you look around? As you're on the bench, is there something that you want to share? Is there something you want to ask? As you're on the bench, is it okay to be quiet? Can you be there? 
God has designed us in such a way that we can imagine and bring thought and feeling together in ways that just even talking about it we can't do. When we take his promise, I will always be with you. If you pursue me, I will be found. And we choose to come and find a way to be in his presence. We have the opportunity to get to know and to be with. So I would encourage you, explore this image. Be with God on the bench. Let yourself experience the being with. Notice nowhere did I talk today about our performance. Many have found various spiritual disciplines help them with intimacy. And yes, they can help if you are with God in this. You can also do a discipline in order to check it off the to-do list and it can actually build a wall between you and intimacy. For it's not about our performance. It's about our being with. And what still just amazes me, our Heavenly Father has said, I want to be with you. Be still and know that I am God. And friends of mine in the Czech Republic have shared with me in their translation, it's more like, be still. Know that I am God. Put down that phone and know that I am God. And what an amazing opportunity that is for us. Got a time for a, a question or two. Thank you for letting me share some of these observations on our, uh, our journey of having intimacy. Any questions, observations? Trust. And so safety and trust related, very much so. And then I wonder, um, and then I thought about this, because many of us that are in a position to, through Bible study and mission work or whatever, even pastoral care, to be an influence in other men's lives, especially those who may have gone through adverse intimacy or um, mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure I'm following your question. Yes. So practical ways to bring this into helping other men. And in the helping, in the relating, the discipling, the teaching, training, counseling, whatever the role is, that is building intimacy. Intimacy is learn by doing far, far more than describing. It's a difficult phenomenon to describe. It's experiential. So when you're working with that, with that other man, be present. Create as much safety as you can. Recognize that he, I may not know much about him, but I know he needs to be known, and I know 
He's designed to know me as well. So engage in the knowing and being known for good, the love element. The working through, the living, the experiencing is how we learn to be intimate. We learn by doing it. And that's what we can do in each of our counseling relationships or mentoring or discipling, teaching. We can do this in our friendships. Um, it's ongoing. One more question? Uh-huh. So when do you know you're, you're, you're there 100% intimate with God? Is it bad to be partially? Oh. Because I feel like I'm mm -hmm. partially. Is it bad to be partially intimate with God? Thank you. Um, we're never perfectly intimate because of our fallenness. We just can't pull it off. How long can you keep eye contact with somebody? Just seconds. Now, when you're first dating somebody, it's longer seconds, but still not very long. We have intimacy, and we step away, and we come back closer. Think of it like a dance. You're still dancing, but you might even be facing a different direction. But you're still in that relationship. And we're told in 1 Corinthians 13, now we know in part, but one day, face to face, we will know as we are fully known. The intimacy that we long for, we will not attain in the earthly life, but we will continue to move towards it. Well, thanks for letting me share this with you today, guys.